Welcome to Atomic Radio Hour, the show that dives into the wreckage that is post-apocalyptia. This is episode 14. I'm your host, Vince. And I'm your little boy, Declan. And if you're listening to us on YouTube, hey, thanks, we appreciate it. But don't forget, we're also on Spotify and a bunch of other streaming devices. And if you'd like to follow the show for all of our updates and our goings-on, you can follow the show on Twitter at Atomic Radio Hour. This is episode 15. How's everybody doing at home? How are you doing, Declan? I'm doing just great. Yeah, how's school been? Um, stressful, and I never get to sleep. But, you know, that's how it is. Yeah. What do you want to talk about this week? Um, what do I want to talk about this week? I know that I want to talk about one of the most infamous weapons of the Fallout franchise. Yeah? Yeah, I want to talk about the fat man and the little boy. <laughs> that's that's a that's a, a a great topic that we should talk about because this is actually which I should have introed with but I didn't is our uh great war episode. So Perfect. The Great War is October th- 23rd of 2077 and this episode is going to go live on October 20th. So it's the closest we can get. So happy Great War every day. Happy <laughs> fucking happy Great War day everybody. Yeah, happy Great War day. May your days be burned in nuclear hellfire. Speaking of nuclear hellfire, we're going to talk a little bit about the Fat Man. The nuclear cool. apocalypse on the go. Is that its catchphrase? No, I made that up. Oh, that's freaking brilliant. Thanks. Uh, the Fat Man was officially designed as the M42 technic- Tactical Nuclear Catapult. Tested and developed at Fort Strong in Boston, false housing was constructed to get a better understanding of the damage the Fat Man would deal. In June of 2075, General Brock, the commanding officer, put was put in charge of the Fat Man project and the new T-51B. He dedicated his team in halves, one half to the Fat Man and one half to the power armor. The, the Fat Man team tried lowering the weight and then later tried making it more powerful. Both sides of that failed. And explosions were far too close, and soldiers were either evaporated or soaked with lethal doses of radiation. After two Ouch. years, yeah, after two years of research, a fusion subcharge in each war was added to each warhead to increase range. This was successful. September of 2077, the launcher was shipped from a from a Mississippi supply yard to the Chinese. Now, so okay, go on. That that became. The weapon of the times, correct? If you mean the weapon of the times of, like, that's, like, the, the the weapon of myth and legend, yeah. Yeah, like, that's the Excalibur of nuclear war. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Actually, I don't know if you know this, but it was based on a weapon called the Davy Crockett. Actually, I think I've heard you mention this before. It's a weapon that, I think it was a two-man team, but it was a mini nuclear warhead that you can shoot from almost anywhere. Hmm. It wasn't, like, shoulder-mounted, like it is in Fallout. But it is definitely, uh, like a portable, like a nuclear nuclear apocalypse on the go. That's fucking crazy that that could exist. Or even the idea of that can exist. Yeah, but also, I think that was built in, like, if it wasn't built in the 40s or the 50s, like, the the end to the post-World War II era, it's definitely a Cold War thing. And honestly, that doesn't really surprise me. That does not surprise me whatsoever. So, the Fat Man has a a couple different variants throughout the game. The Fat Man, like I just went over, I'm not going over it again. Uh, There's the experimental Merv that shoots eight mini-nukes at once. Have you ever gotten the Merv in 3? I have gotten the Merv in 3. I I have not got it in 4. It's not as rewarding. I don't think it shoots eight. I think it shoots like six 
or five. Yeah, and they're like mini pellets instead of like actual, just like full sized. Um, yeah, and it only goes nukes. like ten feet. Yeah, I feel like the Merv was like some developer was like, hmm, I wonder if we could take this destruction device and make it better in every way. <laughs> well, I would think that they were just kind of like messing. I, this is my idea of how it came to be. They were probably messing around with the with the 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 fat man itself and probably wanted to see if you could make it how like when you shoot a shotgun yeah that makes a lot of sense we played a lot of new vegas you play the gunrunner arsenal dlcs um yeah i really like gunrunners it adds a lot of fun items to the game i in fact i just started a new vegas playthrough and i just got the gunrunners uh katana Ooh. And it's so fucking fun to run around the strip and decapitate people and then get murdered by robots. <laughs> well, did you ever use Esther? Yeah. Weighs more and is more powerful. Yeah. I mean, it's other so than that, it, it's good. got some cosmetic shit, but. Yeah, it looks so cool. Did you ever use the Striker? No, I have not. It's in Far Harbor. There's a bowling alley. There's a. <gasps> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, that's the Striker. That thing's fucking uh-huh. cool. Shoots bowling balls. I think that's so funny. It's. I love that it's the, just that like, that classic Fallout. Um, what's it called? Like innovation, like macabre humor. Yeah, yeah. Like let's take something that's already ridiculous and make it even more ridiculous. Yeah, like Fisto. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, ne- I don't think I ever found Fisto. You never found Fisto. He's in. He's in that one casino, right? Um, the he's Bison? in Freeside. Freeside. Yeah, he's in Freeside. What? What? Casino is Ian in Freeside. He's not in a casino. You find him. It's one of the missions for one of the families around there. But no part of this like, questline takes place in a casino. Um, not that I can recall. I think you have the option to deliver him to the Atomic Wrangler. That's but I know maybe that what I'm thinking of. Probably because there's a mission where you need to find like someone that could act as like a host for a casino, and. Everyone basically wants Fisto from how I remember it, but he was like buried in like a medical, uh, like office or something, and nobody wanted to go get him because the place is like infested or something. Um, so it's up to you to get the uh, the wild sex robot and figure out who you want to deliver it to. Were you on and my Were you on my Fallout volleyball team in high school? I was. Who were you? I do not remember. So, okay, the school we went to, there was a, uh, there was a, uh, every Christmas? Yes. Every Christmas they had a volleyball tournament, and it was like, oh, these people against these people, and you got to choose uh, themes and shit. So some people would make a joke, like, I don't remember, it was something about, something about camping, and their tagline was, we're fucking intense. Do you remember that? yeah yeah so every time i've ever said anything was uh camping hookers i meant it was crazy because it was fucking intense (laughs) but we i had one and we were the vault dwellers yeah that was really fun i forget who i was dude do you remember the t-shirts i went to walmart and bought three dollar t-shirts that were stiff as fuck and i bought yellow spray paint so they were these these gray shirts and i did the shittiest paint job but I remember I was three dog. I and I remember remember Ben? Yeah. Ben was Fisto. Was he? Yeah. They let that happen? Yeah, but they wouldn't like the next year they wouldn't let me do uh, a breaking bad one. 
Because it promoted drug use. I was like, nobody, nobody is fucking anything to do with drugs. I was going to be Walter. I shaved my head. I was like, I was yeah. going to be Walter and wear a hat, and someone was going to be Roof Pizza. <laughs> I wanted to be Roof Pizza. Who was Roof Pizza? Wasn't it you or was it Shane? Yeah, it was me, I thought. I really wanted to be Roof Pizza. Maybe Shane was Jesse. I think so. But, um... If you guys can't tell, this volleyball tournament is taken very seriously. Oh, very, very seriously. Very seriously. It was, like, the only part of school that I actually, like, like. But, uh, going back to what we're here to talk about. The striker. Okay, uh, the the Nuka Nuke launcher? Do you know what that one's from? What? Is that a New Vegas item? No, that's a, uh, that's a Nuka World item. Uh. It's nukes infused with quantum to be more powerful. I don't think I ever got that. No, you didn't, because you haven't beaten one of the best quests in Fallout ever. Listen, don't at me. Just do the quest. I know, but people are going to be adding me on Twitter. You haven't finished Nuka World? Finish and I'm like, it. No, I haven't. I really need to. <laughs> How far are you into the Cappy quest? Um, I have not found all of them, if that's what you're asking. Oh, son, you're killing me. I know I'm killing you. Killing I really me. It's literally really one of to. the best quests in any Fallout game ever. I think it's like probably my top three. Like honestly. Really? Yeah. What's what's your number one? I don't know. You put Putting me on the, on the spot. spot. I feel like it's a piece of shit. Um, <laughs> damn. I don't even. Well, I think Tranquility Lane, but that's kind of a give me. Yeah. That one's a give me. Oh. Um, you know what's so a, cool. another really good one that I think goes really overlooked? What? In Fallout 4, when you take part of Kellogg's brain and put it in Nick. Yeah. Dude, I played that the other night for the first time in such a long time, and I was like, I don't remember this being such a fucking marvel of storytelling. Yeah, that was a really cool like, part. There's there's a part where it's, it's Kellogg as a child, and it's him and his mom, and his dad is in the other room. And, like, I'm playing it, and he's like, you, you click on him, and he's like, that was me, I was a kid, and I was stupid. He's like, I think that night my mom wanted me to defend her and kill my dad, but I was too dumb to do it. And you click on the mom, and he's like, my mother. And then, like, you don't see the dad, but you can hear him in the other room. And you click on the door, and the door itself just says dad. I was like, ooh, fuck. Like, Ouch. Like, he disassociated his father out of his mind that far that all he was was a disembodied screaming voice from the other room. Like... Say what you want about Fallout 4, but that is fucking... That is pretty intense. Yeah, like, that was... I was like, oh, fuck, I can't believe I forgot about this. No, that part, that part as a whole, of just as just a way to tell a story, I thought was incredible. Yeah. Um, That was really cool. I don't know. I don't know. You I'm put me on the spot. I can't think yeah, of... Yeah, like... I did kind of put you on the spot. I do really... It, my personal favorites... Uh, one of my personal favorites is the uh, the quest for the Ultralux Casino. I forget what it's called, but it's one that uh, it's given to you by uh, Heck Gunderson, the coolest cowboy name fucking ever. Uh, and Heck Gunderson has lost his son. Yes, I think yes, Ted. yes. I think it's Ted. Yeah. And uh, I'm not going to say spoilers for a game that's been out since like 2011, but basically... It's Soylent Green is people. <laughs> Soylent Green is people... Um, his son is in like a freezer in the, uh, the kitchen and everyone is cooking up humans at the Ultralux to serve in their, uh, in the gourmet. You know why I didn't like that quest? Why? Because back in the day when G4 was still a thing, I remember watching X-Play and they had the, I guess the dev team that made, that made New Vegas on there. And that was the first quest they showed off. 
Really? And they showed, like, how to do the quest and everything. Like, they didn't leave any... Like, they left something to the imagination, but a lot of it was like, oh, do this, do that, do this, do that, do that, and then the end will be this. And I was like, what's the fucking point? Yeah, that's kind of jerkish. Like, if I went back and played it now, I'd probably love it. Yeah, it's a really solid quest. Yeah, but... I really like that one. I really like, um... There's something that... It's so charming about, uh... Liberating the, um the galaxy news radio plaza in fallout 3 yeah like the first time you get to see a behemoth in all of like uh, presumably all of your fallout uh experience yeah it's just such a really good feeling moment to take out all those uh super mutants and the behemoth and just march right in and say three dog oh wow yeah that is that yes. is a really fucking powerful moment yeah i really like that one from four, I'm trying to think of one for four. I don't know. There's something really, hmm, a really good one from four. It's not really a quest, but as soon as you leave the vault in four, I think that was done brilliantly. Yeah, actually, like yeah, you go up from the ground and then you just see that burst of sunlight and it's your ruined neighborhood. I don't know. That's just cinematically a very beautiful scene, and it's one of the most memorable moments of Fallout 4 to me. I'm going to get into that later on with what I want to talk about today, being the Great War special and everything. Uh, but, yeah, that is one thing that, like, especially with... Se- I think I might have said it on the last podcast, but every new Fallout game that comes out, I don't deprive myself... Or, is that the right way to say it? I don't deprive myself of that coming out of the vault or area type thing. Yeah, yeah, that's the right way to say it. Like... I've watched a ton of footage about 76, and I still have not seen what it looks like when you leave the vault. Because that's for me. It's such an enchanting moment. Yeah. But let's just wrap up this this lore quick, since we just went on a tangent. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Uh, the Fat Man was named after the bomb that the U.S. dropped on Japan. Was that uh, Hiroshima or Nagasaki? I think Nagasaki, we dropped the Fat Man. On Hiroshima, we dropped the Little Boy. Uh, but because of that, the the Japanese release of the game, there is no Fat Man. It's the Nuka Launcher. And to kind of go off the Japanese version of the game, in Japan, if you're playing the game and you bought a Japanese key, Megaton is completely changed. There might be a bomb in the middle of town, but there's no way to detonate it. Burke is not in the game whatsoever. Really? Yeah, they totally got rid of him. Hmm. Yeah. I guess that kind of makes sense. Like... I understand stuff like that from, like, a cultural sensitivity perspective in games. It happens a lot. Really? Yeah. Did you know that MedX is only called MedX because Australia said they were going to flat-out ban the game if they made it morphine? Yeah. I probably said that on the show before. Yeah, I know that you've mentioned it a few times to me. I think that's so interesting that it changed the entire course of uh, a part of the game and the the uh, game world because of that kind of, like, uh, political aspect of it. Yeah. And especially, like... The two biggest, like, I was watching something today and they were saying about how, like, you can't kill kids in the game. And the guy was like, if you could kill kids in the game, the game would have never came out in Australia and it would have never come out in Germany. Yeah. The German version of CSGO, whenever you shoot somebody, I don't know if it was CSGO, but it was a a game and you can Google it. I think it was CSGO. Or if it wasn't CSGO, it was the one before it or something. I don't know. Don't yell at me. When you shot somebody, they put their gun down and put their hands in the air and walked away. Really? Yeah, they surrendered. They weren't, like, being shot. And I bet the game That's that, it, that so it's from strange. is, like, super tame by I today's standards. That doesn't sound like CS, uh, CSGO. I don't, I, maybe it wasn't CSGO. For some reason, I... But, I, like, that's such an interesting thing to think about. Yeah. Hey, can you hear me? Uh, are, are you live? Hello? Are we back? Hello? Oh, I think we have... 
We have connection to the, Hello? To the mainframe. Hello? We're back. Yeah, I, I just want to order a pizza. Oh. A pizza? Yeah. This being the Great War episode, I want to talk about why I think Fallout 3 is the greatest game of all time. Please, enlighten me. Because I know that we've uh, we've lended some comments along the way to that, but I think now's a perfect time to kind of lay out your way of thinking about this. Okay, now, before I get into this, I want to make very apparent that I was like 11 or 12 when this when I first played this game. So, nostalgia goggles... They are activated. Yeah, I, I want to make that very apparent. But at the same time, you look at me and tell me there's not a game that's your favorite game because of nostalgic reasons. Have yeah, you, like, I love Kingdom Hearts, but it sometimes is janky. Yeah, have you seen or played, like, Goldeneye or Ocarina? Yeah, Ocarina did not age it, well, yeah, dude. No, it's it's ass. Yeah. But Fallout 3 is a game about that I think is so... That does, that does theme so well. It so just captures the idea of loneliness. And just very, very much... And just, 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 I don't know, like, it's very, it's, it's hard for me to put into words because it's just, it's, it's a feeling. And like, how do you put a feeling into words? People write songs about that. Yeah, exactly. And it's not just the words that they're saying, it's the emotion in what they're saying and what they're playing. It's not, I can't just sit here and be like, oh, it's lonely. And you get the entire gist of it. It's, it's a game that starts, it, 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 it the whole, the whole timeline of the game is brilliant because it starts with with you being born how many games start with you being born i literally cannot think of a single one besides fallout 3 maybe the sims um no it, the sims uh no not even well i mean not you yourself but you can give birth and then take control of that character yeah but still like the game where you yourself are born i can only think of one and you're born and the first thing that happens to you after fucking what's his name talks to you what's your dad's who, who voices your dad liam neeson after liam neeson is why did i forget that you know i kept thinking of somebody else i keep thinking of fucking what's his name morgan freeman no not morgan freeman what the fuck is his name george clooney Dwayne the rock johnson no, i hate the rock i was thinking of george clooney <laughs> i don't know why george okay. clooney no you, you your dad your dad talks to you and he's like you're gonna be a, a handsome little person and then as soon as that happens your mom dies Leave, and they push you away. They push the baby away, and they go and they operate on your mother, leaving you alone. And then you fast forward a few years, and you're a baby of like I think a year. And um, I think it's yeah, a year. I, I think it's between one and three. Yeah, and your dad's like, "Hey, kid, doing amazing. I'll be right back. I need to go talk to somebody." And then leaves you in the room alone. Right? You following me? Yeah, and in that time, you get to kind of decide who you're going to be. Yeah, you go to the special book, and you learn how to interact with the world, and you're doing all of this by yourself. No one's there to help you. No one's there to hold your hand. You can't go to your dad and say, what do I do next? You're alone. And something about this... Uh, this little portion of uh, of the game where you're this like young baby, it kind of the first time I played it, I thought it was crazy, and it I really resonated with it. Why? Because the first time I played Fallout Three was when I was in high school, and 
at that time, I was trying to figure out what I wanted to do with my life, and it felt like a perfect parallel. I was someone who was literally still a kid trying to decide what I want to do for the rest of my life, and that's happening right here, right now in this game. Yeah. I'm expected to decide how this character is going to play before they're even, like, able to talk. Yeah. I think that's that I think that would resonate has resonated with a ton of people. It's it's the idea of you having to do something and you're uncomfortable with having to do it but you have to do it and even though you're a child and you don't understand it and everything has the the merry-go-round music it still makes it a very personal experience. I agree. So then your dad actually does come back. And then once he's back he's like, "Hey, let's go see what Ahmad is doing." So you leave. And it flashes you forward to your 10. And you're at your birthday party. You get a Pip-Boy, and everyone says happy birthday, and old lady Palmer gives you a sweet roll. And the Mr. Handy kills your cake. Yeah, and that whole party, your dad is like, happy birthday, kid, you start work tomorrow. And then, he leaves. Again. Leaving you alone. And you talk to Amada. I'm sorry? Sorry, I was going to say, and then Butch fucks with you. Well, I was going to get to that. You talk to Amada. Yeah, 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 sorry. sorry no, yeah, you're okay. Don't worry, don't yell. You, you talk to Amada, and she's like, hey, happy birthday. We put this together for you. If you need me, I'll be around. And even though she's your friend, she kind of leaves you alone. Yeah. And then Butch, being the fuck that he is, comes over to you and starts just fucking with you. He's like, give me that sweet roll. And you're like, fuck you, Butch. Your mom's an alcoholic. And he's like, fuck you. <laughs> and, like, I was watching a video today, and there was something they were saying that, like, there's no way to fight there in that instance. And that's, like, a really powerful thing that it teaches you uh, not to fight, that you can solve everything with words in this game. Which I never fucking put two and two together to get that, but that's, like, an amazing revelation for what this game is. Yeah, you don't have to fight anyone except the creatures of the world, because they attack you on sight. Yeah, you can talk your way out of most things. And if you can't talk your way out of it, you can sneak your way out of it. Yeah. So all of this happens, and eventually your dad calls you and is like, hey, come on down, I have a gift for you. And you go downstairs, and he gives you this BB gun, and he, this is like the one time where you're not left alone at the end of it. You go and you use this BB gun, you take this photo with your with your video game father, and it's just like a happy moment of just like, this is what life should be and could be and will be for the rest of your life because if you're born in 101 you die in 101 yeah flash forward at least that's how it's stated sorry at least that's how it's like presented yeah flash forward to i think six years i think you're 16 um if you're not 16 you're 15 yeah somewhere around there high school age and it's time for you to take the general occupation aptitude test or the goat and you say to your dad, I don't want to take this test. And he's like, go. And he's telling you, go. It's it's okay to not understand what you're doing. Go and learn. And you're going to be alone. That that walk that you do from your father's office to the classroom it says so much in such a little bit of time. Yeah, and I don't... Correct me if I'm wrong. Okay. But that's the last time you see your dad in the vault. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's like... Stuff that happens in between when you're thrust out of the vault and that moment that narratively happens that we don't know about. But as a player, that's the last time you get to interact with your dad. Yeah. Until you leave. So you you go to class and you see Amada's outside with Butch and the rest of the Tunnel Snakes, which is scientifically proven that they do rule. And 
you start. They do rule. It's a fact. It's a scientific fact. And you they you go up to them and you're like Butch, why don't you stop? And this is where you could say to, you could either talk Butch down or you can talk Wally Mack or Paul Hannon down, or you can fight them. And then once you go into class, like everyone kind of just sits away from you. The other people that sit there like aren't characters with dialogue. Wally Mack's sister is in there, and there's a few other kids that are in there, but it's not a lot of people that you really interact with it's it's you sit by yourself you are alone you take that test you give it to the teacher and you have this overwhelming sense of the teacher the way he talks to you is like this is what i'm doing for the rest of my life i'm just kind of a fucking lonely guy like that's it you leave the classroom and the next thing you know you're 19 you're being woken up by amada and she tells you that your dad has left the vault and you're like the fuck you mean my dad left the vault no one leaves what do you mean no one leaves yeah and she's like no everybody here he's left and everybody's freaking the fuck out so you get up and you're like well i guess i gotta go get him and then all of a sudden you're shooting at people and you're shooting at rad roaches and mole rats you don't understand i don't think mole rats but rad roaches and people and you're not sure why and you're trying to get out and like every little and this is another thing everything you do on your way out impacts the rest of the game so significantly like yeah amada will give you a pistol and i didn't learn this till today but amada will give you a pistol and if you say no amada i don't need it protect yourself when you see her being confronted by uh the guards she'll kill the guard with the pistol that you gave her instead of you having to go and protect her and when i never noticed yeah that. i didn't know it either because i was always like gimme and then when you go see Butch and he's like, help, my mom is being attacked by rad roaches. And you're like, Butch, this is the exact definition of irony. You can give him your BB gun and you, and you can say like, I don't need this. Take this and go defend her. And you see Butch go in there and kill the rad roaches. You can go help him. And like, if you, if, if Butch is happy with you at the end, he shows up at rivet city and you can have him as a companion. Yeah. And whether or not you kill the overseer or not is if when you get to come back, you get to see if there is a uh, if there's a new overseer in charge that isn't Amada's father. So I'm pretty sure that the first time you come back, it is Amada. No, Amada's never the overseer. No? No, it's either her father or some other guy. I think canonically she she becomes the overseer after all that shit. Like, after you revisit. So, I believe the quest is called Trouble on the Homefront. And I know that Amada is the one that answers the door when you go and, like, uh, try to open the vault door. Yes. But I don't think she's the overseer. Because I think when you go back... And this... I've only done this quest a few times. Uh, but I yeah. think when you go... I know I've d- done it, I think, twice. Yeah. I remember the first time I did it, I went in there and then I killed everybody. What was that? I didn't catch that. I said, I remember when I did it, I went in and I killed everybody. Were you playing your slasher yeah, build? Yeah, it was the first time I ever went went back. I didn't really understand what was going on, but no essential NPCs. So, yeah, you're right. Uh, but you you leave you you get all this shit from Amada and you talk to her and you're like Amada, be safe. And another like small thing, the vault door opens and two guys come out to to vault like guards, security yeah. guards. And if you go past a certain point, they don't leave. They're so brainwashed to think the outside is so dangerous. Anything above outside of this vault will die that they don't fucking leave. Like that's so such a small thing, but it's, it says so much like it's so much storytelling that's happening 
and it's it's not that big of a of a deal. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? Yeah, it's like the it's little things so that make minute. it seem realistic. Yeah. yeah. So, and this is this is what like you were saying before about Fallout Four. Excuse me. This is the number one thing that I remember of the first time I ever played Fallout Three that engrossed me into the world. You leave the vault, and as you leave the vault, your eyes have to adjust to what real sunlight is. Yeah, and as you it's leave, only ever been simulated until then. Yeah, by fucking LED bulbs. LEDs probably didn't even exist. Yeah. And you, you walk out, and you shield your eyes from the sun, and as your vision starts to slowly adjust, you see the exact opposite of everything you've ever known to be true in your life. You don't see these shades of blue that and these shades of, like, a steel color that you see as you exit. You see gray and green and brown. And you realize that the world you have just entered is vastly, vastly different. And you, you approach this thing that's a scenic overlook. And that's all you can see. That's all you know is scenic overlook and the vault is behind you. And you look and around and there's nothing but rubble. Gone. And beyond the scenic overlook and the rubble, I don't know what God Howard had to sacrifice to be able to have Megaton load in the distance, but they were able to have that loaded at the scenic overlook. So it gives you some kind of visual thing to latch onto, like, oh, that's something. But you know what else loads into distance? In- into the distance? What? Springvale. Not the school, just Springvale itself. Yeah, off to the... To, to the, the north, yeah, the left, yeah. Off to the left is Springvale. And instantly your first thought is, well, that's a town. You as a human, not a vault dweller, can think, that's where people live, I need to head over there. Your only instruction after leaving the vault is find dad. So you get yeah. there. I think that's brilliant in and of itself. Oh, yeah, and there's something else I'll get to later about that. Y- you leave the vault and you start walking around outside in springvale and the first thing that you you see and you hear other and i don't play fallout with the ambience on ever the ambient music i never play with it on just because i like the sounds of of nothing like i like the sound of you're walking in a building and you can hear that the the um the rafters are slowly starting to shift after 200 years of sitting there how you can you can hear rubble falling off of the the ceiling you can hear what sounds to be like bugs and other rodents scuttling around and just like i all that and you can hear gunshots in the distance all that just is so much more impactful to me than having bongo 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 i don't want to leave the congo and don't get me wrong i i will sit there and sing butcher pizza the day i die that's such me like too honestly <laughs> me too that's, it's it's such a catchy tune it's so good and i do play with the radio on occasionally but I mostly play with the silence because the sounds of me walking, the sounds of a super mutant in the distance, the sounds of a ghoul that's not yet aware of your presence, but you can hear that <sighs> noise that it's making. Like, that is just... It's chilling. It's, it's so atmospheric powerful. and chilling, yeah. It's so fucking strong. It gives you such a sense of, like, oh. Like, it gives the world a real sense of weight. Yeah. So you go to Springvale... And the first thing you see and hear, other than rubble and debris, and that is, like, arguably where the buildings are the most destroyed in Springvale. You mean at all? Like, if you look at the cluster of buildings that is, 
And most of those buildings there are framework. It's not like a house that you can enter. It's all frames and you can like see through the house. Yeah, they're that's a pretty destroyed area. And I think they do There's that only on like one internal cell for Springvale High School. I think. Is there? Yeah, like a regular like high school would probably have multiple, but I think there's only one cell for Springvale High. I think there's a basement. Oh, is there? Th- oh yeah, 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 there is. There is. But you get there and the first thing you see other than all this is an enclave iBot and you sit there and go, "Oh fuck, what is this?" This is so alien to my world of knowledge so far, especially if this is the first Fallout game you've ever played like it was for a lot of people. You you see this and you hear one of two things. You either hear Confederate marching music. Or John Henry Aiden. Yeah, or you hear Malcolm McDowell's voice. And yeah. your first thought, for me at least, was, The fuck? What is this thing? At that point, your empathy is so strong with the character because you know nothing. Yeah. You know neither absolutely does your character. nothing. You have no clue what's going on. You don't even know the date. You know the date that Fallout 3 takes place? Um, October 2277, I know. August but... 17th. Is it August 17th? Is that August when it starts? August 17th, yeah. And, uh, you know how, like, in Fallout 4, the sole survivor's name is Nate or Nora? Oh, like, if you don't choose a name, that's yeah. the default? Yeah. Uh, this one, his default is Albert. Yeah. What's the, the lady default? I don't know. I only know it's Albert because in some of the, the test, like, E3 footage from 2007, 2008, uh, anytime they showed the Pip-Boy, his name was Albert, which I think was a callback to Fallout 1, where the three pre-made characters you could play as, the first guy's name was Albert. Oh, yeah, that's actually a nice nod. And that's what I'll get into later. This game has a lot of small nods to its what it came from. But... As you're in Springvale, you see the iBot, and you can you can go to interact with it, and it doesn't talk to you, but it looks at you and beeps and continues playing its music. And if you remembered what you did when you were in the vault, is, and if you've watched anything about the game, is, oh, no essential NPCs, hmm? And you kill this, and you have an understanding of, okay, if I can't talk to something, I can beat the shit out of something or shoot the shit out of something and i get i get some sort of a feedback from it and after looking around springvale right by the old school red rocket gas station there's a sign that says megaton right yeah you walk up to megaton and you see two very very three very very important things happen the first thing you see happen is you see megaton's gates open the jet engine, like the turbines that open the en- the gate, is so fucking cool. That's another very memorable moment from Fallout Three for me. But when the turbines spin up and the gates fling open, oh, it's so fucking powerful. Yeah. It's so powerful. And if you watch the way the gates come up, it's almost as if someone is like taking their hands out of their pockets, huh? Like in a crossed way. At least for me, this is the way like I interpreted it. And I've always been told if someone takes their hands out of their pockets, they're comfortable, right? Like how, like, if a dog shows its teeth, like, get the fuck back. Like, if I meet somebody for the first time, if my hands are in my pocket, it's because I don't know you yet. But as I get to know you, my hands will come out of my pockets and I'll start talking with my hands more. You don't understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah, I understand what you're saying. So, after that happens, you look over... It's the game's body language. Yes. Oh, wow. Put that on a fucking birthday card. Yeah. Uh, But right next to you, you see a robot whose name is Deputy Weld... So the first thing you think is, oh, Deputy is a title. Does that mean he holds some sort of pertinence in this universe? 
does that mean something that isn't human can have some sort of power, can have some sort of authority that people would look up to or admire a robot of some sort in this universe? It kind of makes you think that like, okay, human... It's a little bit misleading, but in a good way. Explain yourself. Like, um, because you know nothing, you can easily make a knee-jerk assumption here that is entirely like against what is actually the truth here because the true people that hold power are people with the most guns or the most stuff the most assets where here you know nothing about no one so you have all you have to go off of is john henry ibot and uh not yet prim slim so okay i think i get what you're saying because I was, I was more alluding to the super mutants. Oh, really? Yeah, because the super mutants and, and death claws and pretty much anything, it used to be before the bombs dropped that humans had everything. Humans were the top species, but now the super mutants band together. And I'll get into the super mutants later, but the super mutants have banded together and kind of asserted themselves as this, this predominant force that is a force to be reckoned with that people have a very hard time dealing with. Same thing with Death Claws. But the first time I ever played Fallout 3, I was 60 hours in and didn't see a Death Claw. I didn't see a yeah. Death Claw until much, much later. They're scary and relatively high-leveled. Yeah. But other than that, you see Deputy Weld, you see this open up, and to your left is a beggar. I think his name is Mickey, I think. I actually don't recall what his name is. But he's the water beggar, yeah? And he just right. wants clean water. And right there, right there tells you everything about the game you need to know it tells you that like the way it opens up it needs to you need to f to to feel out everything you need to see how things are and even once you feel like you have a good assumption of what it is still you need to go back and wait you realize that you are not as powerful as you thought you were as a human being like being a human being you think that like we're essentially just animals we're some some sort of a monkey that diverged from that sort of a primate that learned how to read write and drive cars and pay taxes and fucking cook souffle right right yeah so by you seeing that the robot is intelligence and has some sort of authority, you understand that, okay, maybe I got to take a step back of being on my high horse of, of being a, of homogenous, right? Right. You now see that this guy is dying because he does not have clean water. And you understand that the entire point of the game is now that you have to make sure that people have clean water. So you enter town, you enter Megaton. And the first thing that happens is a man in a very, very, very nice hat approaches a you. A very nice hat, may we remind the audience. And this is the first, let's say, hour of the game, if that. Yeah, easily. And he comes up to you and he's like, look, don't fuck around. And he tells you that, the, that like, you live by the sword, you die by the sword. That's the world you're enter you've, you've entered now. No more running to your father, but your father has prepared you for this moment your entire life. But has he, though? He left you alone for everything. He told you, huh. he told you in a way that I am not going to be here to help you. You have to figure out how to do things on your own. You can't be helpless all the time. When you leave here, what he's like in a subtle way is saying, when you leave here, if you leave here, you need to be able to take care of yourself. That's exactly what you do for the rest of the game. You take care of yourself. That's why I kind of think like it's a little, I don't want to say wrong, but it's like a little... I guess, like, against the grain to play with a companion that isn't dog meat. Because dog meat 
he, you even say it when you find him. He goes, you all alone, boy? Yeah, me too. Like, there's so there's so many things thematically that are going on in this game that is so totally just missed. That people did not... That I don't think a lot of people have picked up on. Like, okay, let's take, let's take the Brotherhood, for example, right? Right. This is not the West Coast Brotherhood. Elder Lion says to you that they were kicked out of the Brotherhood technically because they didn't believe in what the West Coast Brotherhood was doing. And the Elder Maxon that was of that time, if I'm correct, if it still is a Maxon, it's only It's a Roger Maxon, I think. One of the Rogers. I No, Roger's the first one. I, it's either John or Jonathan. There's two of them that are John, but one went by John, one went by Jonathan. There's another Than one. Than Maxon. Is it Than? No. Oh. I was saying, like, Jonathan. Oh, oh. <laughs> uh, and then it's Arthur. I think yes. there's five or six of them. There, it's a lineage. Yeah, 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 yeah. And if you think every person lives to be about, like, 60, 70... I mean, in this wasteland? If, you, if you're part of the Brotherhood, you don't yeah, think you're well taken sense. care of? Yeah, you're right. But he says, he's like, we just want to hoard technology. We want to gather technology and help people as we could. And apparently by the end of Fallout 2, that's what happened in the game. They were like, we don't want to be a position of power. We don't want to be an entity of people that are like, we don't want to be a government. We don't want to be the NCR. We want to help people. They wanted to be the followers of the apocalypse, but... They went astray at some point. Yeah. And they got fanatical where the followers kind of stayed humble. What do you mean fanatical? Fanatical. Like, like they kind of got, got so absorbed in their mission that they forgot to do the mission. They got so absorbed in like, oh, collecting all this technology so that people don't hurt themselves that they forgot to not hurt people. Well, that's not that's not originally what the Brotherhood wanted to do. They didn't want to they didn't want to collect technology so people didn't hurt themselves. They wanted to collect technology so they could teach people how to use it. Yeah, but then it became a closed door kind of club. Well, not for um, not for what do you call it? Not for uh, Fallout 3's Brotherhood. Brotherhood that 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 brotherhood is the brotherhood that wanted to bring people in that weren't um, that weren't born into it because originally you had to be born into it, and that's a big yeah. reason why the West Coast Brotherhood said we are not being a part of you because you're bringing people in. And he was saying, look, if we don't do this, if we don't expand, we'll die. Which which look at the for West all Coast intents brotherhood. and purposes, yeah, the West Coast Brotherhood sucks. Now, well, it I does. shouldn't say the West Coast, but the New Vegas branch. Yeah, the West Coast. That's the well, last still... branch. Really? I'm I'm like a good percentage short. I that's thought there the was a California branch. branch. That is California. You play no, in No, it's Nevada. Is... Do you don't Wait, no, you play in California. You play in Nevada and California. No. Or am I thinking Colorado? No, Colorado's not even on the map. Wait, hold on. No, there's two states that you play in in New Vegas. No, it's strictly Nevada. No, don't you fucking lie to me like this. Because there's a there's a there's a, a a road sign that says "Welcome to Nevada." I don't think there is. I can't recall that. Yeah, right here. I'm on I'm on Wikipedia. The game is set in post-apocalyptic open-world environment that encompasses a region consisting of parts of Nevada, California, and Arizona. Fucking, there's no way. Yeah, dude. I'm it, telling you, there's Z a, the, Zion is the westestest that it goes. Where's Mount Zion? Not well. It's not a mount, but is it, what is it? Oh wait, no. That's that's really east. Hold on. It's. I mean, I guess technically, but I've never really got that. What do you mean you never got that? Like, I never felt that from 
the game. Hold on, see. Yeah, and which I'll explain a little bit about that. See how you said you never felt that? You never got like, that? This is the general, like, way things are laid out. But, like, New Vegas' map. Hold on, let me do this thing. This is, Mojave Outpost is a corner of Big Mountain. You're going to have to put this picture in there. Oh, I I'm, thought we were on. No, nah, I'm leaving this in. I thought we were on. Okay. Yeah, Zion um, Canyon is, is, what do you call it? Vault 15 is, is to the... Because this is, this is the Mojave Wasteland. As a whole. Yeah. Zion yeah. is slightly out of its border. And so is Big Mountain by a little bit. And the Divide. The Mojave Wasteland is, that we are be able to explore, is not very big. Okay. Do you not find them at Broken Hill? Or do you find them at, is it Hidden Valley? Like the ranch? Hidden Valley is, uh, it's Hidden Valley. Hidden Valley, like, don't you remember the radio broadcast? There's no, hulking yeah, figures I didn't, I didn't going through Hidden Valley. I remember if it was Broken Valley Hills or Hidden Valley. And, uh, Hidden Valley is basically the midway point between the Mojave Outpost and Hoover Dam. Okay, well look at this. Look where Junktown is, and look where, uh... Look where the glow is. The glow is so... It's so South California that it's Mexico. Yeah, like, I can see how we're, like, on the cusp, but, like, I've never considered New Vegas to be a game where you're in California. No, I know. It's the only point I was trying to make. I forget where I was going with this. Yeah. But there's three different states that it encompasses, and the the whole thing feels fucking bland and flat. See, I think there's a lot of life in New Vegas. See, I understand what you're saying, and I don't disagree with you. I disagree with I disagree with the life part. In a way, there is a lot of life, but it's in small pockets. Where Fallout 3 shines is yeah, you're alone for a lot of it. And yeah, there's not a lot of people, there's not a lot of thing, there's not a lot of places of like settlements for you to see. But why the fuck would there be? It's it's the capital of a, of a former country. And at this, it got super nuked. And yeah, and it's not even that it's just like, oh, this is 50 states. The country had absorbed Canada and Mexico as two states. So all of North America is one country now. Yeah. So, or at least it was. Yeah, yeah. So they bomb the fuck out of the capital, right? Right. Nothing is, is going to be the same. That is going to be one of the last places that ever recovers. Fully. Now you're you're right. You're totally right. So, when okay, so so when you get to Megaton and after you talk to Lucas Sims, you're walking around. Sorry for the deviation, everybody. You're walking around, and as you're walking around, you come in contact with a colorful cast of characters. And Fallout 3's town is the, and I'm gonna say, or Fallout 3's town of Megaton is probably the most well put together t- settlement in the entire series of the modern era really yes i mean i i err on the side of agreeing but i'm just trying to think back if there's anything else that's really that does it for me because i was thinking about this today rivet city great idea a lot of shit's going on there's a lot of things you have to maneuver i hadn't been to the muddy rudder till like four years ago because i just didn't see reason to go down that far i suppose and I knew there was nothing down there because I remember looking up where all the quests were. Diamond City is a great idea. It makes me look at baseball. It looks it makes me look at stadiums differently. Entirely different. Yeah, I love Diamond City. I, I love Diamond so City as an cool. idea, yeah. But let me ask you, do you know where any of those people live? Excuse me? Do you know where any of those people live? Um, Only like a couple, like maybe four at most. I know where Nick and Mike Kowalski live. And Miles. I know that one. I know that. 
I also Piper. know Piper, Mayor McDonough, and all the guys that sound Russian that live in the baseball, the dugout. Yeah. And did you know that there's like four bars in Diamond City? I find that hard to believe. There's the dugout in. There's the one that's in the stands. There's the noodle bar. Okay, maybe there's three. I'm counting the yeah, noodle bar. That sounds bar. more. Yeah. All right. That sounds better. Yeah. I never like. How many times did you go to the bar in the stands? The only time I had never been there until my brother told me there's a there's a, a quest about a dude who's getting cucked and wants to as exact revenge. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I know that one. It's up by like the lift to go to McDonough's office. Yeah. I had to have somebody tell me about that. Like, that's not like it's just Diamond City. I, Diamond City is a great idea, and it was pulled off pretty well. But you know what the problem with putting everything in the center of town is? What's that? You don't reward exploration. Like it's in, instead of saying like, okay, when you when you enter Megaton, the first thing you see other than Lucas Sims is a bomb in the middle of the town. You go, oh shit, that's interesting. Oh, and there's a place to buy food right there. And as Moriarty's, yeah. No, Moriarty's is on top. Oh, you're talking about the like little like soup kitchen type of place. Yeah. There's that there. Oh, this looks like I always end up walking right by it. Yeah, exactly. And 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 even though you're walking by it, you acknowledge its existence. You understand that it's there. Yeah. Then you you say, okay, well that seems to be everything here. Oh, there's another level, and there's more shit on the next level, and you get to the top level, and it's like, oh, this has this is a ho- this is the house of Lucas Sims. This house is unoccupied. Okay, what else is there? Oh shit, this is a little shop where I can buy some shit. Oh, here's here's probably one of the best characters in the entire game next to Three Dog, Moira Brown. Hello, Moira. How are you? Oh, you have a quest for me to do? Oh. That one I can agree with. You that know what one I mean? I can agree with. Like yeah. it, it's you're rewarded so much for exploration. And that's what the whole theme of that game is, is not knowing anything, being alone, and going, what else is there for me to find? Yeah, and, I mean, I like, the thing I like about Megaton is that everything's not there. Like, Moira's usefulness, her shop, its usefulness declines over the course of the game. As is with Moriarty's, like, yeah, you can get food and drink there, but, like, you become this boosted maniac at one point and all that can satiate you is stim packs and you can't buy that there. So it's this town that you grow to call your home, but it doesn't necessarily stay as useful as a place like diamond city is where it feels like it scales almost infinitely. That's also because of the way the games are made too. It's just a difference in design. Yeah. But that's not what I'm getting at at all. Moira. I would go to the entire game. I'd go to Moira before I went to flank and shrapnel. Yeah, but you leave you leave you leave Meg- Megaton after you've done everything there. And once again, you talk to Moriarty and he goes, "Yeah, well, find 3 dog, like find the radio station." Okay, how? And you go through what some people say is the worst part of the game. I disagree. It's not that bad. You go through the metro system. Yeah, the metros make a decent amount of sense. But, like, that whole journey in the metro, again, you are by yourself, fending for yourself, doing what you have to to survive to the point where you, you... Okay, this is a really fucking great quest. You want to hear a really good quest? We were talking about good quest earlier. You come out of Absolutely. the metro, and the first thing you see is Sarah Lyons and other paladins, basically dying, and pretty much. And you go, "Huh? That looks like the cover of the box of the game I just bought." I wonder what they're yeah, up you're to. You're right. 
Yeah, you're right. Like that's your first, presumably your first experience with the Brotherhood of Steel. If you're doing just the, the main quest line, yeah. Right, right, right. And then you may have heard on the radio, even though it's all staticky, about uh, super mutants. But now you get to see one. And not just one, you get to see a ton. To the point where you get to the GNR studio and you see a motherfucking uh, behemoth show up and you go, what the fuck do I do now? And you pick up a fat man and you blast that motherfucker to smithereens. Now, not only have you felt some sort of camaraderie at this point, you still feel alone in the sense that this is an entire outfit of people who belong together. These are all knights and paladins that all belong together in some regard. They either grew up together, they train together, they all have something in common. Nobody understands what it's like to be alone from the vault. But you know who doesn't care that you're alone from the vault? Three Dog. Three Dog tell... Well, let me get back to one thing before I get all cinematic. <laughs> when when you see the behemoth and you shoot him with the, the, rocket, the, the rocket launcher, when you shoot him with the mini nuke, when you shoot him with the fat man, that's a real sense of... Oh, God. I have power. Like, this is powerful. Yeah. Kind of for the first time in the entire game. Yeah, you struggle pretty much. for The, fir the first five, ten levels, I've been playing this game for ten years, and the first five, ten levels, you struggle. I know where everything is. I know how to get there. I know how to fucking level up quick. But those first few levels are pretty, pretty brutal. Five, eight levels. First five or eight levels. But you, you see Three Dog, and he's like, hey, kid. Haven't seen one of you in a long time. One of your kind in a jumpsuit, in a, in a fucking vault suit. He's like, yeah, I remember your dad. I could help you, but I need some help. And if you help me, then you're helping the good fight. So it gives you the sense of, like... Being a part of something bigger. Yeah, which they later leads into the Brotherhood. Of you joining the Brotherhood. So once you have this sense of, like, Should you choose to follow that path? Yeah, you. I think you get the, the power armor training from them regardless. Um, I think, because I think you did it even for the X01, or I'm sorry, the X02. There's, um, there's, I know there's two or three ways to get the power armor training in Fallout 3. You can get it for the easiest, not the easiest, but the quickest way to get it is to get it from the outcasts. Really? Yeah. If you skip going to the regular Brotherhood, you can get it with the outcast with doing a quest. Huh. And I think you could also get it if you do, uh, the Enclave quest line really yeah i didn't know that damn yeah you learn something new every day yeah you really do but once you go out and and you get to the mall and you see all of all of uh this fighting going on between the brotherhood and between the super mutants you get that sense again of look at this big barren landscape of nothing here and then if you find uh i was gonna say necropolis but if you find underworld you kind of get that feeling of these are people that have been totally ostracized because of their skin and like i've said before i think i said it in the last episode it's not so much oh that's a black guy or that's an asian woman or that's a da, 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 da. it's that person has skin falling off of his body and that makes me uncomfortable i don't want my kids around it that's racism in the game yeah and you you, you come to understand that because of this and you sympathize with it because you know what it's like to be alone you understand what loneliness is. You understand what that lonesomeness is. Even the super mutants. I was watching a video today. I was watching uh, Many a True Nerd today. Who Shout out to that guy. Come on the podcast. You're more than welcome. He was saying that, that like the super mutants 
in this in this are so stupid, right? Right. Right. If you play Fallout One, not all of the super mutants are stupid. Some of them are very uh, intelligent, and like I've said before, I'm pretty sure it has to do with how irradiated the body is. They're trying to find super mutants. They're trying to find humans to turn into super mutants, but they don't know how to do it. They don't understand what does it. They just know that they need to find FEV and humans, and they're running low on on FEV. And that's why when you walk through the vault, when you walk through Vault 87, you can read the terminals that say we're running. I don't know if it's if it's the super mutants typing it, but it's it's them saying like it, what it's saying is we're running low on FEV and we need to find FEVs. We need to find people we can experiment on or the super mutants will be eradicated completely. They have no way to reproduce. And when you talk to the master in Fallout 1, you can't say to him, yo, fucking this is not going to work because you can't reproduce you could tell him that but he doesn't listen to you yeah and you're right the super mutants have kicked out two super mutants they've kicked out uncle leo and they've kicked out fox and you know what uncle leo and fox have in common what is that they're both intelligent yeah the uncle leo yeah you're right actually yeah they're pretty intelligent the only companion that i took throughout all of Fallout 3, other than Dogmeat, was Fox. Because, subliminally, I understood that Fox... And he's a fucking super mutant, that's cool as fuck. But I understood subliminally that he was alone. He was outcast by his own people, much like myself. Yeah. And I can sympathize with that. I can understand that. He was misunderstood because he was smart. They made fun of him. I understand that, because... By proxy, I had to be kicked out of my vault because of the ongoings and the way the game ends. Everybody gave it such a just just, just such a a hard time about oh the game just ends that's it it's over. You know what other games just ended and that was it and it was over. All of them. Fallout one and two. Those. Oh, games, that's what I meant. Yeah, like the Fallout games kind of just. End. It's it. That's over. And Todd Howard has gone on record and was like, I thought that was gonna keep everybody happy. Fallout 1 and 2 ends. That's it. The game's over. That's why we did that. Yeah. They said it I was mean, a bad I mean, there ending. is broken steel, but... Yeah. And, like, Steven, once again, shout out to Steven, has said to me multiple times, don't give me Augustus's laser pistol and then just say, fuck you, the game's over. I get that. But at the same time, when you're keeping up with a theme... It made... It makes sense. It makes perfect sense. It makes perfect sense, It makes sense, perfect yeah. sense. I mean, with broken steel, you get to keep all that shit, but... Yeah, no, you do, but I mean, yeah. thematically. But my favorite part of Fallout 3, and I've kind of alluded to it this whole time, is that there is nothing. There is nothing but empty loneliness. There is nothing but, but what is borderline a crippling, depression-inducing amount of nothingness out there. There is you... There is the radio, and there is your gun. And fuck anybody who tries to come in between that. Because all I know is dead to me. The vault, gone. My father, missing. I have to find everything new out on my own. I have to learn for myself. I have to learn how to hunt. I need to learn how to gather. I need to learn how to steal, if that's what it takes. But I need to make sure that I'm safe. And I need to make sure that I find my father and I can get back to some semblance of what reality once was for me. And I have to travel from this end of DC to that end of DC and back again. 
There's so much of the map that you don't explore by just doing the main quest. There's so much that you get rewarded by. And Dale, nowhere near anything on the map. That is and that arguably one of the coolest and most interesting storylines. The Republic of Dave? Another great one. The Mechanist. Yeah, and the Ant Agonizer. The, Canterbury Commons. You have to you have to travel, you have to explore. The game rewards you so much for exploring. Where I don't feel like any other Fallout game has done that. I don't feel like New Vegas has done that. New Vegas had the same sense of emptiness without the sense of wonder. Because the empty flatness of the game, ru not ruined it for me, but ruined the immersion to an extent. Because in Fallout 3, where I'd want to go hike over those rocks and those ruins to get the to get the look of the lay of the land and to see what this is and to see what that is. Where I was playing Fallout 3 a month ago and right where uh, the, Plato the Potomac is... And there's like a lady who sells crab Myrler crab cakes. I remember yeah. I remember cresting the hill and like looking out and going, Okay, I know where I am. I can survey the area. Like it just has this full on sense of wonderment and this full on sense of immersion and I just wanna be in this world and I wanna exist in this world and I just like it makes you feel at home and alien at the same time in just such a way. And I just, yeah. I, I don't, and I haven't, you know, I've heard people say that once you play Dark Souls, it ruins you because every game you want to play after that is Dark Souls, right? I feel like Fallout 3 in a weird way has been like that for me. Like, I have not played a game and been as enthralled and as engrossed in it as the first time I played Fallout 3. And the first time I played Fallout 3, I fucking hated it. Because I didn't yeah. understand that I'm shooting you in the head. Why are you not dying? And I didn't understand the mechanics of the game because I'm picking up books. Todd Howard said in the E3 trailer that he did with X-Play that I can read the books. But how come I can't read burned books? Like, I didn't get it. And now, like, I, I, I see through the hubris of it and I understand. I understand the subtlety. I understand the nuance of it. There's so many little things in the game that don't happen unless you go out and look for it. Again, I was watching that Many a True Nerd video and he was saying that if you go to Hubris Comics and you read the one terminal entry, it tells what the antagonizer's weakness is. And when you go there and confront her, you bring that up and she's like, how do you know about that? There's so many little things in that game that is just so... And you know what? You know what else is so perfect about it? It's so slow. It's so yeah, trudgingly it, slow. It really is slow. And it's it's that full-on sense of... You need to take your time and fully ingest everything in the world. You need to know what is going on and you need to understand why. And right when the game arguably hits its climax you get to go to tranquility lane and tranquility lane is one of the finest pieces of storytelling i've ever seen because of your expectation and that's a thing that i think gets doesn't get talked about enough in modern games today's expectation i have zero expectation for most modern games right i don't play a lot of games that come out I've bought, I'm buying three games this year. We've talked about this. Spider-Man Red Dead 2 76. My expectation for Spider-Man was high. Did it let me down? Not really. I think it could have been better. I think the writing kind of sucked and the voice acting was eh. Red Dead 2. My expectation is through the roof. They said there's a guaranteed 60. It is through 60. the goddamn roof. It's six, guaranteed 60 hours of story, realistic horse nut sack, 200 different types of animals. Like, what are you kidding me? There's a lot riding on it. N76, 
the expectation for that is is so high for me because I know these are things that are things that I truly believe in and things that I truly love. And that's why when I, I see Fallout 4 come out and ditch some of its core RPG elements, I get upset because I love it. Because it's a franchise that I love, that I want to be a part of. If you follow us on Discord, by the way, we have a Discord. The link will be in the description. Um, and if it's not there, it's definitely on our Twitter. So make sure you follow us there at Atomic Radio Hour on Twitter. In the, in the Discord, as of the recording of this, I put in a picture of my Fallout shelf, and that's missing like four or five items on it. Like, I love this series so much. This series makes me feel at home in a weird way. And don't get me wrong, it's probably a lot to do with that the first time I played this, I was in, I think, sixth grade? Maybe, maybe fifth, probably sixth grade? And when you're in sixth grade and you're 12 and you don't know anything about the world other than yourself and you're still finally coming to terms with, okay, I'm a human and I understand that this is what I am and this is what I might like, but I don't know because when I was in sixth grade, I thought Green Day was the best fucking band on the planet. <laughs> like, it was just, it's, it's, it's a time of growth and it's a time of understanding and it's a time of learning. And I think that's a lot of the themes that Fallout 3 presents to you from the beginning of the game. So yeah, I do have my nostalgia goggles on for a lot of it. I understand that. I'm aware of that. But that's what makes that game so much better to me. Because when I play that, I'm I'm ageless in a sense. Like, did you ever watch How I Met Your Mother? Yeah, not all the way through. There's a scene where Ted is with some, some woman. And they're trying to explain to her about Star Wars. And she watches Star Wars with him and she doesn't like it. And they try to explain to her, like, this is this is his... This is his thing. He watches this on Christmas. He watches this when he's happy. He's watching this when he's when he's upset. He's, he, he watches it any emotion he has. And that's what Fallout 3 is to me. When I was in high school and I was upset that, oh, this girl doesn't love me, I would come home and just hang out in the metro and shoot ghouls for hours. They were feral, so it's cool. I can shoot those. But, like... It's just such a such a time of of, ref, of of reflection on myself when I play it, and I think about just just how ingrained into my memory this universe is. Yeah, I mean, I totally agree. So, I guess in summation, what I'm trying to get at is this: this is something very special to me. It's very important to me, in the same vein that this podcast is. Uh, I enjoy both of them immensely. For almost the same reason, it's entertainment that I get to be a part of, and, a, and it's something that I love, and I get to talk about something I love with somebody I love every week, and Aww. especially when 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 you, since you're at school, I don't talk to you that often, so it's nice that it's once a week we get to hang out like this and talk, and I love that I get to share that with a bunch of people. So for Great War Day to celebrate, I kind of I kind of wanted to tell everybody why this exists in a way. And I wanted to explain my admiration for the series. And I wanted to explain my admiration for great storytelling. And how I think that the idea of Fallout is such a... such a. And don't get me wrong, I'm not sitting here and I'm ignoring Brian Fargo and his influence. And I'm ignoring all of Interplay and, and all that. I appreciate all that very much, but Fallout 3 was my entry point. Yeah. So it's Nothing's ever going to be the same as it. Yeah. For you. Yeah. Nothing, it's, it's nothing like the first time. Nothing's ever like the first time. Yeah. I just, I just, I hold, I hold it in, in high regard and I, and I, and I get upset when people don't see it from my perspective, but I'm also not a dickhead about it. I understand when people don't see it from my perspective because not everybody sees everything from your perspective. I, and in fact, fact, no one sees everything from your perspective. 
very large facts. And the point of an argument, and I'm not saying this was an argument, this is more of a discussion, but the point of an argument is for me and another person to talk, and even if I don't agree with you by the end of the argument, at least I could see it from your perspective. I might not agree with it, but I can see it from your perspective. And that's that's discourse. And that's why a lot of people don't... I feel like a lot of the fan base that's split from 3 and New Vegas kind of argues because they just want to say, no, my game is superior. Yeah, your game has has better uh, gun controls, definitely. But it's a lot of emptiness. And yeah, they have factions, but I kind of like the ambiguity that is Fallout 3's faction if they like you or not. I can go into Megaton, kill somebody, wait out a week, and come back and they like me, but is that because of the way the game is programmed, or is that because of the way that, in all honesty, that's how you survive out there. You put a, you put aside your, dis, your differences and say, fuck it, this is what we have to do to live. If that guy is a murderer, yeah, he's a murderer. I'm going to hold it against him. But if he can get something that I can't get, I have to live with. And that's me kind of making excuses for for the, the, the limitations of the hardware at the time. But it makes sense. To me, at least, it does. Yeah. You know what else makes sense to me? Is it Feather Duster? Feather Duster by Shane Ivers. Why don't you hit me with the link, Declan? You see, if you want to get Feather Duster, which I recommend, but don't copy us, um, <laughs> you can get it at silvermansounds.com slash free music. Slash Feather Duster. And what if they want to follow you, Declan? Where can they find you? If they want to find me, you can find me on Twitter at Declan underscore BN. But you know what I'm more interested in? Where they could find you because you've just weaved this beautiful word picture of a, uh, of a, uh, an explication of Fallout 3. If you'd like to follow me, you can follow me on Twitter at The Boogans. That's at all capitals, the underscore Boogans. And if you'd like to follow the show, you can find us on Twitter at Atomic, Atomic Radio, Radio Hour. Again, that's at Atomic, Atomic Radio, Radio Hour. And while you're at it, why don't you give our Discord uh, a follow? If you follow us on Discord, you can... Yeah, do- join us on Discord and talk with us about why you think New Vegas is just that much more superior. Yeah? Because, you know, I will probably take your side. Yeah? <laughs> uh no, jump in. I'll get my own episode. Oh about yeah, New Vegas. oh definitely. Don't think this is a one-sided deal. You're going to get your own episode soon. Don't worry. Um, but other than that, I think it's time to time to go. Do you want to shout out anything before we go? Oh, I want to say something quick. If you listen to this whole episode on YouTube, thank you. We appreciate you. Uh, but don't forget, we are on a ton of streaming platforms. If you go on Spotify and type in Atomic Radio Hour, you'll find us. We have our entire backlog put up. Uh, you can listen to the past 14 episodes. This is episode 15. I believe I said that in the beginning. I think we're And on... we are still working to get on Apple Podcasts. We're still not on they Apple? are Yeah, their their process of getting on is a little bit more stringent and uh frankly a pain in the neck. I'm going to have to wake Steve up and have some words with him. Yeah. Happy Great War Day everybody. Drink a new Coca-Cola. Happy Great War Day everyone. October. Oh wait, no. Probably November at this point. I don't even know the date anymore. I don't even know if it's still 2077. Well, anyway, all chaos broke loose once the bombs fell. You prepare for it and prepare for it and prepare for it. You know you're ready. But what you're not ready is for everybody else and their reaction. When it all happened, 
I first started to think about a ton of bad things that had happened in my life before. First time I had my heart broken. That big fight I had in middle school. Or when I got into that car accident. Or when my grandmother died. Or even when my first wife left me. I remember crying and being sad and miserable, but when the bombs dropped and everything changed, I didn't cry. I wasn't miserable. I didn't feel that overbearing self-loathing and just feeling of no self-worth. I kind of felt almost free, almost like I realized nothing is going to matter anymore. It's hard surviving when everyone else has gone crazy. But as long as I can keep true to myself, maybe then... I'll have something I can look forward to. Alright. Tony Jacobs. 2077, maybe 2078 at this point. Anyway. Sending off. Atomic Radio Hour.